When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I really enjoyed some of the tweets going around after he got him out. It's like Mike Trout once again denied a championship because of his Angels teammates. <laughs> so Minor Leaguer asks two questions. I'm going to take the easy one, Josh. Uh, where do babies come from? Adley Rutschman, who looks like he might be the best catcher in baseball. And, uh, and that's Gunner from a Danny Jansen stand right there. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 261 of Artificial Turf Wars, uh, where our fingers have cramped up completely from crossing them for a healthy roster by opening day. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski. I can barely type, but I am joined by the effervescent Joshua House. How you doing, Josh? <laughs> I'm good. It's really good that this is an audio thing and that we're not doing a live chat because, yeah, it would be impossible right now. <laughs> um, so we have we have things shaping up. We're a week away from opening day, as I understand the math. Uh, Alec Manoa is going to be the opening day starter. Good on him. Yusei Kikuchi has locked up the fifth spot. We have a pretty good idea of how the lineup is going to look against righties and lefties. Um, we do have the, the 26th man and, and bullpen candidate uh, sort of uh final final slot in the mix although i don't know there's a lot of drama compared to some previous years uh we're gonna just touch on the wc final because it had i think what is is the the greatest matchup in modern baseball history that can't normally happen happen uh we have your questions and then we're gonna do a quick uh totally in-depth rundown of all of the ins and outs of the (laughs) al east because we're taking know. what's normally multiple interviews over the span of weeks and distilling it down into five minutes <laughs> and we're going to get the same level of insight i bet uh, all right let's start alec manoa opening day starter uh i'm not surprised uh it it, it is just one start right uh but it is it is very nice to honor all of the hard work and results that Alec Manoa has brought to the table in his very short major league career. Yeah, I I think you're right in that this was kind of the expected outcome, despite how good Kevin Gossman was last year. It was just, he was their go-to guy all year. He put up an ERA under two and a quarter by 0.01, but still under. (laughs) He threw 196 innings. He was their game one starter in the postseason. And he's just... He is Toronto's guy, the, the developed, homegrown pitcher, 
who's a legitimate front-of-the-rotation guy. So, yeah, I mean, he deserves it, and I'm really glad that they gave it to him. Yeah, I think it's sort of in the vein of the um, uh, not Roy Halladay specifically, but the idea that that you give the organization guy, if, if all other things being equal, you give it to the the guy who represents the history of the organization and the development that the organization has put in. Um, and, and the Blue Jays have done that in the past, but also maybe it gets him one more start on the year. You know, wouldn't hurt to have one more start. I don't think Kevin uh, Gaussman's feelings are hurt at all. <laughs> no, I think he's just fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was cool. They, I mean, they, they did, they filmed when they were, t- when he was told about it, it, uh, I think it's much cooler to see films of guys finding out they're going to the major leagues because Manoa seemed like cool, yeah, but like, of course I am, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> like they're lined up in spring training. He already knew, <laughs> you know. It's, it wasn't a secret. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Gaussman is missing a start uh, tonight, um, so that he can be lined up to go second. And there was a bunch of people on Twitter going, "Oh, did something happen to him?" No, <laughs> no, nothing happened to him, but we'd like to pitch him on regular rest come the first, because uh, of the off day after uh, right. after the first start. Oh, okay, well, then everything's fine, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, the, just, it's one of those yeah. goofy things with the schedule that people don't realize. They're like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be the day after Manoa. Well, that's not how opening day works. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the Jays open on the 30th, and then they do not play on the 31st. So, yes, he's lining up now to start on the 1st. Yeah, the only the only exceptions are the dome stadiums where they can count on no rain out. Uh, yeah, so the the rotation otherwise has lined up as expected. Um, Gaussman, Bassett, uh, Barrios, uh, and then uh, Yusei Kikuchi because of Mitch White's injury has had a a pretty clear path uh, to the fifth spot, but has not uh, other than that one start that was a little shaky. Uh, has not really sounded any alarm bells in spring. If anything, he has uh, reminded us that he can strike out a lot of people if things are working. Oh, yeah. Um, he had those two starts against the Phillies where he gave up six walks in six innings, which we discussed in the last episode. But I also alluded to the fact that the one that I was at against the Phillies at home was a little weird and that he just wasn't missing the bats that normally he would. So he was getting long counts, guys just fouling them off and then walking. Yeah, none of that happened against the Twins. He just dominated them. (laughs) Five innings, zero runs, nine strikeouts, one walk, 58 of 88 pitches thrown for strikes. That's as good as Yusei Kikuchi can be. That's as good as you could ask for from Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah, keeping in mind he is is the fifth starter. I think that's the other thing that people... um maybe kind of forget in the disaster that was last season is we're not asking him to be great all the time. <laughs> we're just asking him to be pretty good most of the time. And that's, that's all anybody has is their fifth starter. Unless maybe you're the Yankees. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Maybe not right so much right now, but yeah, I mean, he got, he got 15 swings and misses in that game. And he, like I said, he was throwing strikes which, you know, like that's all that matters really for Kikuchi because his stuff is so good. He's not throwing those 96, 97s, 98s that we saw occasionally. He got up to 95.7 in this outing. But, I mean, if he's throwing 93 to 95 to 96, something like that, but throwing more strikes with it, I will take it. Yeah, he still misses bats at that speed, which is pleasing remarkable <laughs> whatever you want whatever <laughs> whatever adjective you want to use 
Um, and then uh, that game also, we're at the point now where the regulars are starting regularly and playing, you know, more than more than two plate appearances. So what does this tell us about how John Schneider is planning to face lefties and righties? Probably. Yeah, it was actually the next game, which was Manoa's start. Well, he went into the seventh inning, and he only had 79 pitches going into the seventh. So he's ready. But, uh, yeah, so the Jays rolled out a lineup. This was against right-handed pitching, which was Springer in right, Bichette at short, Vladdy at first, Belt DH, Kirk catcher, Varshall left, Chapman third, Merrifield second, Kiermaier center. That's one to nine. And I think that's the optimal build for this lineup and the one we're going to see most of the time against right-handed pitchers. The key being uh, getting Kiermaier and uh, Merrifield in and keeping some separation between Varsho and the other lefties. Am I reading that yeah, right? I also, Doing it in my I, head? I also, yeah, I mean, you're right. But uh, so, yeah, when Belt, Belt is the first lefty. So when, starting with Belt, it went lefty, righty, lefty, righty, righty, lefty. Um, but when it comes to Varsho, I, that's where he should hit anyway. I mean, he's Varsho's value. He's got power, but he's not, at least to this point in his career, he's not a great hitter. He's just a good one. And he shouldn't be hitting above Kirk and Belt. Right, right. Those are both very good hitters. Mm-hmm. So even regardless of left and right, which I do think is part of the thinking here, I think this is the way it probably should line up. Cool. Um, and the expected lineup versus lefties? I yeah, guess so we're seeing an e- easier decision. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it'll depend on who's... That will be a little different. So we're seeing something similar to it today. So it's starting with Springer, Bichette, Vlad, and then Belt is in there at four. But if Belt is out, this will be Kirk. And then Chapman, Varsho in center field, Merrifield in left, Jansen catching, and then whoever's playing second base, ninth. So basically, Kiermaier will sit against the tougher lefties, and Varsho will shift to center with Merrifield going to left. Hmm. That makes sense. Um, you know, all, all the other complications of a major league se- um, season, notwithstanding, of course. Yeah, and of course, there's all kinds of other lineups we're going to see, right? So sometimes Springer will need to DH, and then in which case we'll have Kevin Vigio out in right field or something. And, you know, there, there's a bunch of moving parts, and Santiago Espinal is going to factor in at some point. But in general, I think that's the basic framework we're going to be looking at with this team going for most of the year, as long as they're healthy. Uh, so when we're talking about that, those fringy positions like the the Kevin Vicios and the S- Santiago Smalls, we have to include the last the last two men most likely standing: uh, Josh Lucas and uh, Otto Lopez, still in camp. <laughs> yeah, what, what, um, what's your money on? So yeah, they they've cut it down to those two because Bernard and uh, Barger were sent down. It always seemed to be those two. I saw an article in sports that say seeing Vinny Capra is in the mix. That would shock me. Uh, I think it's. I think Otto Lopez is the guy. He makes the most sense because he's faster. He can play the infield as well as the outfield, and he bats right-handed. And he makes a lot of contact. So if you need to send him up for something, he'll be able to do it. And then Lucas can play every day in the minors and just and be the guy if an outfielder gets hurt. Makes sense. Um. There was a whole write-up on the the dark horse bullpen candidate, and it wasn't necessarily dark horse to start the season. Uh, veteran Jay Jackson, who is spent time in Japan, 
uh, who has like 15 professional seasons under his belt, um, who came to the Blue Jays late because he was trying to pick a contender that might give him playing time. And he has played for the Braves and the Giants in the last couple of seasons. I thought that was, it was an interesting article to, to see that someone was strategizing, uh, you know, chasing the playoffs. Um, in fact, waiting to sign just for that specific reason, even though he knew that that would likely put him in the minor leagues to start, uh, 2023. Yeah, I think you definitely can see the pattern there, right? The giants won 105 games in 2021. The Braves, where they're defending World Series champions going into 2022. So he definitely wants to win a championship. And it's that is an encouraging thing to see this guy pick the Blue Jays because of that. He's had a pretty good spring. Nine and a third innings, 13 strikeouts, two walks, seven hits, no earned runs. Again, it's spring training and his, you know, so he's placing some minor leaguers and whatnot, but he throws kind of hard. He's got some stuff. It's a very nice depth piece to have. I can't see him cracking the bullpen. It just doesn't make any sense. He's not on the 40 men. Pearson's pitching. You know, the last time he went out there, he had got had to get four outs and got four strikeouts. And Zach Pop has been excellent. So I, I can't see him leapfrogging those guys to start the year if Mitch White can't go. But he could definitely be a guy that helps later in the season. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened to him the last two years, except he was injured to start the season. Uh, and then he ended up tearing it up in the minors. So when the team looked for a guy who could come in immediately and give them something consistent, uh, Jackson was their, you know, their their choice. And I think probably the Jays are thinking along the same line. So, yeah, it is, I just thought it was an interesting piece to have um, that they really haven't had in past years, a veteran who was willing to be in the minors um, in order to be, uh, you know, top of the options list for the team when the time comes because of course we all know that the 13 pitchers who start are not the 13 pitchers who are going to end the year on this club yeah and i think you actually just found something pretty interesting that oh you know what just as we were recording this so we're not completely outdated he has chosen free agency oh. <laughs> the fool okay i I guess he looked good enough in spring training and the Jays did not give him the choice that he opted out to go somewhere else that he might get a chance to play. Well, gosh, all of that digital ink spilled for no reason yesterday. Um, I'm going to move on. Well, what's really funny is I was just about to say how it's so rare for the Jays to be able to find someone who's willing to stay in the minor leagues as this <laughs> level of depth. AJ Cole did it and he was kind of the only one. Well, <laughs> still the only one because Jay Jackson's gone. <laughs> Oh, brother. Well, you know, that made this the most exciting podcast we've had in three weeks. So um, we'll move on to the World Baseball Classic because uh, I think our, our roster roundtable here is about done. Um, we did get the USA versus Japan, which I think were considered to be definitely two of the favorites going in. Uh, we did get Shohei Otani uh, finishing off for for Japan, and we did get shockingly the dramatic mike trout final at bat yeah thank you mookie bets for grinding into double play which allowed that to happen <laughs> it was it's like thanks obama <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a shocking way for it to work out i mean but also not at all because it was just the total storybook ending but I mean, if, if everybody was picking how they wanted this WBC to end at that point, 
that's the one they wanted. They wanted Trout against Otani. And yeah. <laughs> there was a stat that got thrown out there by uh, Codify Baseball. This sounds fake. It's so ridiculous it sounds fake. Entering this plate appearance, Mike Trout had had three swinging strikes in only 24 of his 6,174 career MLB plate appearances. I feel like that happens to a lot of the Blue Jays 24 times a season. <laughs> Mike Trout is very and good. And that's what happened. And Shohei Otani got him to whiff three times. Uh, Shohei Otani is also very good. Shohei Otani is throwing 100, 100 miles an hour in preseason action. He hit 102. <laughs> he, he, so in that at bat, he blew the fastball by Trout. And then he got him to two strikes after blowing it by him again on one that looked like a cutter at 100. And then he really gassed it up and he bounced 102 miles an hour. He wanted it badly. And that was just really fun to see. It's like, this is his teammate. And he's like, I want to beat you so bad that I'm going to throw as hard as I've ever thrown in my entire life in <laughs> March. Um, I, I know Nolan Ryan was a freak of nature. Right. I, I know that various players have come along over time and have spent time doing stuff that you didn't think any other player could do. Mike Trout is one of them, right? With with the, the, the length of time he has consistently performed and gotten on base and performed, you know, defensively. And then Shohei Otani is like, Oh yeah, just just take everything you ever knew about freaks of nature in baseball, throw it out the window and put Shohei Otani uh, at the plate or on the mound, and there, there, that trumps everything. Mind blowing. I, I really enjoyed some of the tweets going around after he got him out. It's like Mike Trout once again denied a championship because of his Angels teammates. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not nice, but it's it's probably it's true. Nice. <laughs> I mean, Mike Trout is still the best hitter in baseball. Mm -hmm. Still, I mean, last mid, year, mid thirties. Feels yeah, like he's in well, the middle. No, he's only he's only thirty one now. He's, yeah, but uh, he just he's just been around a long time. Last year he played one hundred nineteen games only and still hit forty home runs. And pales in comparison to the crazy stuff that Shohei Otani does. Yeah, yeah how they that... have the two best players in baseball and they're terrible. It's it's, <laughs> it's truly amazing. It's a crime. It is literally a crime. But yeah, oh, this well. was. But it it was it was. I couldn't you could not have drawn up a better scenario unless you wanted to get nitpicky and have base runners on or something like that. But it's a one but run was, game. Trout can tie it. Right. The best power hitter in baseball, maybe other than Aaron Judge, but he's a better hitter than Judge. And against the best player in baseball with everything on the line. And their yep. teammates. Yeah, so they they intimately know what one another is is trying to do there, right? That's the fun part. It's it's there's there's probably not a lot of secrets between Otani and Trout. No. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it was it was great. It was it, it lived up to everything. Yeah, after Japan got uh, got to that game with a walk off as well. So. It, the WPC brings the drama. I'll give it that. The the baseball does not usually fare well in the you know one game elimination format uh, for for all of the trouble you go through in the regular season. But in the short tournament format, I think it I think it it adds to the the fun and the drama to know that it's 
you know, do or die all the time. Yeah, no, it, it, the the living <laughs> one game and you're out baseball really defies the concept of best team. But then again, who cares? It's exciting. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. We're we're not I trying think... to establish because we we know that these rosters don't really represent the best of the country in any any meaningful way, right? Yeah, I don't think that any of the top twenty American pitchers were there, which is too bad. But yeah, it, it's it's still just an exciting thing. I think everyone's really happy, like all the organizers and just generally most people that aren't from Mexico that Japan won that game. <laughs> <laughs> just for the drama yeah yeah 100 percent. all right anyway, so cool. that's the wbc uh and then we asked if you had questions like we normally do and you do so we're gonna come back after this little break and we're gonna uh, answer as many of those as we can And we are back in business, ready to answer all of your burning baseball questions. It may, I, well, let's just let's just think about burning and baseball and, and how that relates to our podcast when we're asking questions now, folks. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Um, first is an observation from Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6, not exactly a question, but she says, so instead of butchering uh, Teoscar's name, this year we get Buck with his Merriweather instead of Merrifield. These things are difficult for Buck to remember. Uh, you know, it's it's you got to look down at that sheet over and over again to remember who got cut, <laughs> who's an infielder, and who was a pitcher. I'm just, this makes me a little sad that Merriweather... And one of the Fernandezes ended up leaving. I would have loved if Julian Fernandez, Junior Fernandez, and Julian Merriweather were all on the roster at the same time. Now you're doing it. You're putting an F instead of an H. (laughs) It is Fernandez. Oh, I thought thought we were talking about Teoscar Hernandez and Julian Fernandez. No, 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 no. no. I'm talking talking about the, the pitchers named Junior Fernandez, Julian Fernandez, and Julian Merriweather. Right. If they were all on the roster at the same time, I would have loved Buck trying to get those right. That would have been really entertaining. Uh, well, uh, you have to re- restrict your entertainment to the, the the bog standard. Buck can't remember exactly who's playing. Uh, don't worry. The Jays will play the Mariners, and we will hear to Oscar Hernandez at least once or twice. Yeah, that... Or every time Eric Swanson pitches. <laughs> So Minor Leaguer asks two questions. I'm going to take the easy one, Josh. Uh, where do babies come from? <laughs> uh, well, when a mommy and daddy love one another very much, uh, they share a special kind of hug. And nine months later, uh, a baby comes into the world. I think that is all that you need to know until you are planning on becoming a mommy and daddy. And then uh, you can always look on the internet, not Twitter. Google is your friend. Now you can See, do I the difference. At- I just thought they looked at the gif of Philly Fanatic and Gritty dancing and became pregnant. I thought that's just not how it works. That's an alternate method. That's a non... We're, we're going to call that the non-standard uh, <laughs> alternate method. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you a minor leaguer's difficult question, which I think uh, has to do with baseball. I have a rules question. When a pit- Now, there are new baseball rules. We're going to 
probably touch on that in a minute. When a pitcher makes a third unsuccessful pickoff attempt to first base but throws the ball away, is the ball still live until the runner touches first base again to make the third attempt officially unsuccessful? If the runner touches first base again to make the pickoff attempt unsuccessful, can he attempt to advance beyond second base? What if the runner never touches first base and just advances to second on the pickoff throw? Would it be scored as a stolen base or as a balk? Okay, well, it would never be considered a stolen base if the ball gets thrown away. I guess if he does, if he just, yeah, if he's stealing second and advances on the pickoff throw. That's actually an excellent question. The scoring aspect of all of this is really baffling. As for the rules, technically the play is not done until the ball is dead. I don't, it's not about runner getting back to first. It's the, it's, it's that the play is over and someone could call time. He has to be standing on a base and not moving. So if he goes and touches first and runs away again, the play is still live. So he could run to second, third, do whatever. And if he gets out, he's out. <laughs> and then it's considered a successful attempt. But as for the scoring, whether it be a balk or a stolen base, my guess is it would be considered a balk. But I don't know. Uh, could it be no stolen base due to defensive indifference because they can't throw over? But it's not defensive indifference because they can throw over. They just have to get you out. So it's considered a balk if they don't. Okay. Yeah. They've invented rules for which the rules are unclear. Always, always good. And then and now they're clarifying some of the unclear rules, at least. Oh, good. There's a very good rule change that they put in with regards to... Not, they haven't changed anything with the pickoffs or the disengagements from the rover, I should say. It's not just about pickoffs. But uh, with the with the shift rules, because uh, uh, an illegal shift is now a challengeable play under replay. Ooh! And until about two days ago, you could challenge if anybody was in an illegal position, regardless of their outcome on the play. Now they have to be the person who touches the ball first, or has the chance to make the play first. Which makes a lot of sense, to my it mind. It does. Now, that said, I do think it's still somewhat flawed because if you have an extreme shift that is illegal with the shortstop, say, being too far over second base, which allows the second baseman to be more towards first base and it's grounded to second, technically, the shortstop positioning affected that. To me, that should still be ruled an illegal shift. It's just if the ball goes into the gap or something like that, it doesn't matter where the infielders were. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose they could say whether an infielder or an outfielder was the first to field the ball. I guess you could get technical in a different way on that and see if it worked. Yeah. Right? I have you're... a feeling this is something that's going to be tweaking as the season goes along. Well, I mean, you've, you've banned... You've banned something which has been... I mean, the shortstop position was essentially a shift when it was first invented. <laughs> so you've, you've banned something that's been part of the game for like over 100 years. Just surprise. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot. Now, are the umpires watching for that? Or is it always something that needs to be brought up before, uh, before play starts? I'm not sure. It's awesome. <laughs> Hopefully someone. Hard hitting is, analysis you come here for everybody. <laughs> someone is sure. Someone somewhere. Uh, I think we only have one more question. 
well, are there any other any other rule changes that make make you wonder if anybody really knows what's going on? Oh, they so they they are, have now added some umpire discretion to to the pitch clock, and also um, for for pitchers if they're covering first base and stuff like that they don't have to run back to the mound it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's until they, it starts when they hit the grass which is still you know you gotta move pretty quick but before it's like if you're running to catch a throw at first base your momentum's taking you away from the mound <laughs> you gotta hustle back and throw a pitch within 15 seconds i don't think so so now yeah. at least they can you know catch their breath and then get to the grass and also they put in a rule about the umpires having to uh, and the teams monitor the performance of their bat boys and bat girls and bat people because Javier Baez got an automatic strike called against him because he wasn't getting in the box because the bat boy was still on the field. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to you want me to hit this kid in the head or what? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. There's there's yeah. Bat boys don't haven't appeared in, in the rule book really until now, have they? I don't think they have. Actually, no, they have. There was a rule when, after Dusty Baker's kid almost got run over in the World Series, they put in a rule about minimum ages. Ah, makes sense. Uh, so, last question. Blue Jays rat girl, with, with rat emoji, at Ellie Ellie Hart. I don't know who the Blue Jays rat is. I am now curious about that story almost more than I am about your question. But the question uh, still stands. Any big plans for opening day? No. <laughs> I have tickets. I don't know if I'll be able to go. I usually like to go to the second game a lot more just because it's... You don't spend 45 minutes listening to the same names being called out over the loudspeaker and the big flag coming out and getting carted no, around No, I actually enjoy that part of it. I enjoy oh. the introductions. But uh, I, it's just not as much drunken idiocy among uh, the people in the, in the stands. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'll probably end up going just because it's still opening day and it's nice to watch the Blue Jays again, but I don't know yet. Um, I have to uh, I have to get on my cable provider and uh, and figure out how to reorder that package I canceled when when the world when the Blue Jays were eliminated out of the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll master. That's my my slightly pre-opening day, but opening day itself, I um I I'm not that big a fan of of the pomp and ceremony and all that. I I just enjoy the actual game. So I'm I'm often trying to figure out how much time they're going to fritter away uh, making announcements. Again, I think it works better when you're in the in the venue. Um, it does. It, it's definitely a better thing in person than to watch that on TV. Yeah. So before those are you the move on, oh, oh yeah. No. This is not questions, but I have enjoyed. <laughs> so the gift that was tweeted out had gritty and the Philly fanatic doing the basically you know the typical mascot dancing where they're waving their big bellies around mm -hmm. since then we have gotten you tweeting out what is that from that's perfect strangers perfect strangers a dance on the and then you that, and is, Ross that decided... is the dance of joy <laughs> okay and then you and ross decided to use old wrestlers earthquake invader jumping around in the ring <laughs> i think everybody should reply with their favorite two people dancing gifts to this tweet <laughs> Let's get together and have a little opening day dance. Yeah. It's got to it's got to be two people together though. You can't be doing it yourself. You got to have a friend. That's, that's, that's the big plans for opening day. Yep. 
All right. Um, there are uh, four other teams in the American League East who have big plans for opening day. And we shall approach them in alphabetical order. Baltimore, the Orioles, who were a very big surprise from, what, June to August last year, or right to the end of August, as one of baseball's best, most productive, well-balanced teams, which I, we didn't see coming, I don't think, on this podcast, did we? Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. <laughs> Out of the Orioles saw that coming. <laughs> which which is a little problematic. Uh when your owner doesn't doesn't feel like emptying his his uh vault, uh, and you've demonstrated that you're you're pretty freaking good. Uh so they did not load up on the pitching that maybe a a definitely contending team would have in this offseason. Yeah, I honestly I think that Orioles fans should be a little upset. Um, they signed Kyle Gibson, traded for Cole Irvin. Neither of those guys is that good. I mean, Cole Irvin might do better in their ballpark because he's a lefty and he gives up fly balls to deep left field, <laughs> which are home runs there. But they're not great. I mean, look what the Jays did. They signed Hyunjin Ryu before their big leap. And so that when the time came, they would have that ace. This is what the, the Cubs did it. They went with Edwin Jackson, which obviously didn't work out that well. But then they added John Lester right after that. I, I just think that's a much more logical way to do it because chasing pitching is hard. And there was a lot of pitching on the market this year. And the Orioles just did not spend money. And I don't get it. I just thought it was a waste, a, a wasted opportunity. And I think they're going to take a massive step back this year, despite having a full year of Adley Rutschman, who looks like he might be the best catcher in baseball. And, um, and that's Gunner from Henderson. Danny Jansen stand right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Adley Russian is better than Danny Jansen. <laughs> I, I definitely do. But uh, yeah, and then another full year of rookie Gunnar Henderson, and they've got Grayson Rodriguez in their rotation, another rookie with great stuff. Like they've got some good players, but I think they played way over their head last year, and I think they're going to take a step back. I don't think they're going to get to 500 this year. I think they will be around a 500 team because young talent. Um, I, I don't. I don't think young talent is going to regress that much. But I. I think the fact that they did not fill in gaps like the Blue Jays did, and, and remember, Blue Jays got criticized early in the offseason for not filling in enough gaps, and then by the end of the offseason, it was clear that uh, you know even though they didn't maybe get Plan A every time, they they had a Plan B and Plan C for for reconstructing the defense in the lineup, and they kept going until they got something. Um, I, I think, yeah, the Baltimore is, is, didn't do enough of that to keep up. Alphabetically next, yeah. Boston. Boston sucked last year. I like to remind everybody just because I like saying those words. <laughs> and then somehow ended up not re-signing Xander Bogarts. Yeah, that was an interesting... Well, we talked about that when that happened. I think we gave yep. them a duel for the way they handled all that. Although, <laughs> they ended up extending Devers, so they learned at least this time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of this Red Sox team because there's some talent there. I mean, if Chris Sale is healthy, he's still Chris Sale. They've got Kluber, Pavetta, Garrett Whitlock's injured, James Paxton's injured. You know, They've got all these guys that, if they're healthy, can be decent, but they're always injured. And then their offense, I mean, their starting catcher is Reese McGuire. <laughs> and their starting second baseman is Christian Arroyo. And their starting shortstop is Enrique Hernandez. So I don't think this team is a contender. 
No, I think if there is any anything that that looks for sure because of the division is that Boston is is going to be at the bottom of it. I guess if everything implodes for Baltimore, maybe Boston and Baltimore end up with similar records, but I I really think Boston is at the bottom of this division. Even if they end up putting something to, that resembles a decent season together and and you know, trying to get near that 500 mark, the rest of the division has so much going for it. Uh, and it's so much in win now mode that I think they're going to get buried. And it may I be... actually think they're better than the Orioles. Yeah, we shall see. But I don't think either team is very good. I, I think boss is just, like you said, injured and old um, in so many places. It, it's questionable at best. But yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Neither team is particularly good <laughs> in the, in the, um, in the long run sense. They may both have, you know, stretches where they do do better than expected, like last year for Baltimore. Now, I think the the more interesting or most interesting team in the division is the New York Yankees. Speaking of injured, <laughs> last year the Yankees got off to this insane start because nobody was hurt. Or nobody really was hurt. I mean, they, they just had an incredible run of health, and that is just not happening right now. Harrison Bader, their starting center fielder, he's out for a bit. Carlos Rodon, he's back playing catch, but he's not ready. Luis Severino, he was he went out today. This is two of their four top starters. And then, of course, Frankie Montas might be out for the season. So the, the Yankees pitching, starting pitching, is in, in serious question. And that is their number one strength. Their offense is not bad but it's not great no their their offense is so distorted by the presence of a a healthy Aaron judge um it's tough you know it's tough to perceive that they are not the home run hitting team that they might have been two or three years ago that there is one one guy carrying things along who is regularly healthy um you know Josh Donaldson is there uh Aaron Hicks is there Giancarlo Stanton is there are these guys, are any of these guys great anymore? Even if they were at some point or were supposed to be great? I'm not sure. Aaron Judge is fantastic. I'm not going to, I'm not taking anything away from Judge. But uh, as we've noticed with, oh, I don't know, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, <laughs> two, two players <laughs> does not a lineup make. Yeah, I mean, they do still have at least Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon is coming back. So they're better than the Angels in that sense. Oh, yeah, but no, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, that he, they need more than Aaron Judge. Uh, they and now some of these guys. The thing with the Yankees is that some of these guys could be good again. Like Josh Donaldson could hit well again. John Carlos Stanton, same thing, could be healthy and hit well again. Rizzo hit thirty bombs. I'm, you know, just shorty shooting from that short porch with the lefty swing. And then there's the wild card that could change things a little bit for them is if they decide to give the shortstop job to Anthony Volpe because he looks incredible. I saw him a couple times this spring. He is one of the top prospects in the game. That's the kind of guy that could really change things by, you know, playing the key up the middle position, hitting at the top of the lineup, and adding some youth to a pretty old lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah, I, I think, uh, as you alluded to earlier, everything does hinge on the health of the pitching because their run prevention, if they have most of the season with four of their very good, uh, very, uh, you know, very expensive starters... Uh, that changes the pressure that's on the lineup. Um, but again, I, I I think they are 
despite all the ragging that we just did on them, I think they are uh, still contending for the division. Oh, for sure. Well, that's the thing. But, you know, all those guys could be good, a lot of them, right? Like, they've all been very good in the past, so you can't just dismiss them. And as we said, their run prevention, their bullpen is still very good. They've got King back healthy now. And then they've got you know, Clay Holmes at the back end, who's excellent. So they, they're they're a force. They 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 are still the they're the defending champions, and they and they will stay that way until the Jays dethrone them, or someone else. Zing. Um, and our last team, alphabetically, the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the perpetually cheap, perpetually maximizing every little tiny advantage, Tampa Bay Rays. Are they ever going to change? Hey, they gave out a multi-year free agent contract for more than $10 million a year this year. So they're going to change slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I guess they did that uh, a few years ago, too. But uh, yeah, I, they, no, the answer is no, they are not going to change dramatically. Which means they're going to be a thorn in the side of the other division contenders, most likely. Like, it never seems to go horribly for the Rays because they always are are working within the margins of of uh of whatever advantage that they can squeeze out of things um they do have uh a supposed young 21 year old superstar who a name i read earlier and has now left my brain it's about wanda franco yes wanda franco who has not yet turned into a superstar but if he does i think that makes a very interesting uh improvement in tampa bay's fortunes that that may may give them a big boost um for that for that division title yeah the rays are always a team that you look at the guys on their team and you don't understand how they're good their pitching is their starting pitching especially when healthy is fantastic i mean shane mcclanahan is a true ace tyler glasnow is out with a minor oblique strain right now he's probably out till the end of april he's great when healthy jeffrey springs is great and rasmussen and efflin are pretty good that's their starting five and then they can use Robinson, not Robinson, Yanni Chirinos is their fifth guy instead until Glasson's back. That's pretty good rotation depth. And their relievers are always weird and excellent, despite <laughs> nobody's ever having heard of them. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the tweet still stands up from ages ago. I, I love this deal for the Rays. Uh, who did they give up and who did they get? <laughs> yeah. But like, if you look at their lineup, which tends to actually always be an above average offense in the end, there's what, maybe two hitters you think would be any good? Three? But they make it work. And they get the most out of their players. They use platoons really heavily to, you know, so so the guys can actually put up numbers that you would not expect from their talent level. And look, they're just a, another, like the Yankees, like until the, the Rays are not a consistently winning team, you have to treat them as such. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, the the I, I guess the uh, small elephant in the room now though is that we are no longer seeing uh, nineteen games against those division rivals. It's down to fifteen, isn't it? Fourteen, I believe. Fourteen. So, you know, instead of seventy five games, now you've only got uh, fifty uh, fifty six games, right? If I'm doing that math on the schedule, <laughs> man, I can't multiply yes, by four. 56 games. So from 75 to 56 games against these very tough potential division opponents. That is a big swing uh, in terms of, of schedule balance. 
And for a team like the Blue Jays that is built for versatility at, the, at this point, right? They have a very good idea of, of run prevention, a lineup that can face lefties and righties, and hopefully enough starting pitching to, to get them through. Um, I think that's probably an advantage. Now, it's an advantage for the, the other teams in the division as well, but it it's a chance for all all of the good teams in this division to be dominant and to, to again, get three playoff teams out of one division. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out because obviously some of these other teams are finally making pushes a little bit the angels decided for the first time ever hey maybe we should get some pitchers you know (laughs) maybe we should get some actual guys that can hit from five to nine in the lineup and they put together a much better team and then and the rangers are going to be better especially if jacob Degrom is healthy it's a big if but same with andrew haney if either both those guys are healthy they're going to be a good team too so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out but it's still hard to see it, as you said, as anything but a benefit for these teams in the AL East. Yeah, it has been a meat grinder for so, so long. All right. That is our uh, division preview, as it were, because we're, we're literally looking at, at that, the real games next week. So before we get to real games, I'm going to ask you for your final spring training thought. Yeah, so the, the Jays re- may release some... Uh, some players today or the rather they put out a news release of some reassignments and options and among the list nate pearson again this happened during our recording so we were were talking about this earlier to me the fact that nate pearson has been reassigned to the minors or or options because he he has options but it, it tells me that mitch white is going to be healthy because i don't see zach pop as the multi inning reliever and i think the jays want someone who can do that so that's good. Sucks for Nate Pearson, but you know, he's got to earn his way back. But uh, Mitch White being healthy would be very helpful for this team's ability to withstand minor injury or major injury in the early part of the season. Or someone faltering in the rotation for a non-injury reason, because now Mitch can doesn't have to be bounced up and down uh, to the minors to potentially move into that slot. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, he can't uh, go to the minors, but yes, to the IL. <laughs> yeah. Um, my final um, thought would be about preseason previews, because I obviously went to read a bunch of them today to see what people were thinking about teams in the AL East, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I got to say, I'm kind of disappointed by what passes for for journalism anymore. Uh it's among many other things that were wrong. Someone was like, well, the Blue Jays are, are, have, have made horrible decisions paying, paying their starting rotation too much. Like Hyunjin Ryu, who's getting 20 million to not throw a pitch for him this year. I'm like, really? Like, would it have taken you very long to look up whether he's intending to come back from Tommy John surgery or not? Um, wow, where'd you read that? Well, actually, you know what? We're not going to open. Yeah, this we're not going to promote promote that. Um, yeah. There were a couple of other things I read though that were were uh, a little light on analysis, uh, a little light on background, a little light on research, and I think I think it's unfortunate that back in the olden days of of blogs, uh, of which we you know, which we participated in a hundred percent. I think there well, were this people, podcast was birthed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were people who were very passionate about about their their teams and this sport that did it out of the goodness of their heart 
And I think the landscape has changed for the worse in terms of I can get information from like Sportsnet and TSN, but to have an independent voice or an unusual perspective that that isn't writing for a gambling site or a, uh, you know, a fantasy baseball promotion site um, who doesn't care about anything or just has to write 30 previews. I, I think those days are gone. I, and I just a little pour one out for all of the independent bloggers out there who uh, it never really made financial sense <laughs> to keep on going. Okay. On that note, uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been episode number 261 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we will talk at you next week for the regular season.